So I'm a technologist, but maybe some of the folks that are out there think latency might mean, you know, the delay. And if you could talk about how that is truly shrunk with this new standard that's out there, and then what 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 opportunities is that open? And then again, what is the lab that you work on? What kind of use cases are they really trying to solve for humanity in general? Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So let's design success together. Now your hosts. Yeah. So latency, and I think that is actually the most important aspect of 5G um, because it's really changing the network that we're that were, uh, let's say, that we used to know, you know? So you you had a, a core uh, data center somewhere in the middle of Germany, or maybe two, and uh, then you had like thousands of base stations across the country to kind of create that coverage um, where our phone connects to. So, um, and in order to, to decrease that latency, so meaning I do my phone call or I do, like I start my application that runs to that data center across the country and comes back, um, you need to do a couple of changes in the network that are more than just changing the antenna or getting the right frequency. So I think a lot of people think about 5G, yeah, come on, you just uh, do like a software update on your antennas and then we're all gonna be fine. <laughs> but it's, it's quite different because with 5G, you have a different antenna type. So the spectrum that we have, I mean, this is really the scarce resource. It's used in a more um, efficient way so I mean, we we talk about beam forming, so it's not like kind of like a light bulb um, lighting up every single corner, no matter if there's someone reading in that corner and really needing that light, um, or if it's just you know um, enlightening an empty room. With beam forming, you really try to capture everything and then point it really towards that person who's reading, so more like a spotlight. And um, so that's one thing helping um, in the whole latency discussion. And I mean, from 4G to 5G on the air interface, so from my mobile to the antenna, you are saving a couple of milliseconds. But this is not the game changer. The game changer is really with the, with the decentralized cores. So you go away from that. We have one or two major core, core spaces where we have all the core technology to more like, okay, we try to to get small cores or core elements more towards the base station so that we can radically decrease the, the route or the length of the data packages to travel in our network. And like this, um, we make sure that, um, yeah, we decrease latency end to end. And um, yeah, and this is in the end also then important for um, use cases, for example, I mean, gaming is, I think, the most obvious one. So everyone, I mean, I'm not a professional gamer, but even I understand, you know, if I'm, if I'm playing with other people on the internet, you know, and my latency is, 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 is high, then I have a competitive advantage because I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm shot earlier than the other person. So my bet, you know, and, um, and then, um, it's like I'm pushing for, the X button. I'm pushing the X button. It's <laughs> not working. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, this is the moment where you should better have 5G. Um, and um, but for industrial applications, um, I think everything that is 
teleoperated or that could become potentially teleoperated is something that is um, interesting for low latency networks. Because I mean, the one thing that you do at point A, um, the, the faster the, the response time is, the, the more you can react in the right moment to make sure that what you do on point B is what you actually want to try to achieve. I know that that was very complicated. Um, let's Brother, can I, uh, let's can I jump give in? you an example. Yeah, because yeah, sure. an example would be is, is autonomous driving, right? Um, sure. Right. So you, you need you need you need low latency. So if I turn that car left, it needs to turn left at that moment. Right. Um, so it, or, or if you're using like construction. Um, so if you want to use autonomous driving for construction and you're operating heavy machinery and you want to use remote control. Um, and one, one of the use cases that uh, the, the, I know the military uses right now is we're using it for like drone uh, flying of drones. Um, you know, not, not so much the big ones, but, the, you know, the smaller version of that. And that latency is, is critical, right? Because, it, you know, within milliseconds, you can lose an aircraft um, if you have high latency. Um, so I just want to throw that out there because that's how you were, you know, thinking of a couple of use cases. I mean, my favorite example is the one of the teleoperated crane. We've did that a couple of years ago, um, before COVID even. And um, it was basically around the storyline that you don't have a lot of skilled workers. And um, that is a, a very big problem, I think, uh, globally. And, uh, and the crane is something that you don't need the whole time on a construction site. It's maybe just a 10 minute slot where you really need it. Um, but the person operating it is always on site, you know, so can you make use of that expert in a more efficient way if you put him somewhere into like a control center and then he is operating different cranes in on different construction sites. So I, that is, I think, something that is um, still a very valid use case, be it a crane, be it an excavator, be it whatever machine on a construction site. Um, I think um, turning that use case onto a more let's say, um, uh, open space, it's, it's trickier, you know, but on a construction site where you can control a lot of the parameters, I think that is really something where um, there lies a lot, lot of potential because, yeah, skilled labor is a big problem. Yeah, so, um, no, I mean, that's great information too because I, I think you just made us all a little smarter. And for, for those that are out there, if you have questions about 5G, please, uh, you know, drop it on the chat and uh, we'll, we'll get a response back to you. Um, can, can we move to, to move on to, to some of the other use cases that, uh, in fact, I was just at the OMR Festival in Hamburg and I saw the sustainability um, uh, uh, portion of that. So using 5G to monitor something that's plaguing the entire planet and uh, uh, which is, you know, the upkeep of bees and making sure that we, we kind of monitor, um, you know, their, their production and their health and um, using using 5G for bee farms. Can you talk a little bit about that? I have to say I missed this year's OMR because of my personal event. Right. Um, but um, but yeah, I can I can definitely talk about it. I mean, I'm super jealous that you went and I, I'm sure you had a great time there. Um, and the bees are a very good example uh, because the solution, um, and I hope we're talking about the same solution, but where it's about protecting the beehives right. and um, also making sure that um, the ecosystem diversity that they are 
um, that they are making sure of is, is kept. So that is actually a use case where you need two different kinds of technologies because 5G for everything is like putting a, I don't know, a Ferrari engine into a golf cart. And, um, and so for the Beehive, there were two main use cases inside. So the one was, how can we make sure that no one is actually removing the Beehive or the, the box uh, where I put it up? Because that's an actual problem. You wouldn't believe it, but people are really stealing Beehives or they are vandalizing them. And so um, there's a real need to, to come up with, um, let's say, a, an easy to use solution to protect the beehive or make sure that it's not moving around uh, when you don't want it to move. And, um, and for this solution, particularly 5G is not the best um, network because 5G is, um, is um, using a lot of energy. So any module that you would attach to the beehive would be empty pretty, pretty fast. Uh, also, GPS, by the way, is a is a battery killer, and um, and so we created a solution that was based on narrowband IoT and CatM. So these are very um, energy efficient um, so, uh, network solutions or network types, and um, and we used for the tracking also network information to replace GPS. So uh, really the goal here was to, to create a solution that lasts very long. And um, the way we did that was that basically the solution is, uh, the application is asleep when there is nothing, but the moment there is acceleration, so that's the only sensor in the device, um, it basically awakes and sends out a notification to the owner. It says like, look, uh, I don't know, there is, there is movement you know undesired movement so be it the wind or be it someone to to take away that beehive and then um and then from then on it only starts tracking and sending um the location and like this you can you can have it up and running for about a year without the need to replace the battery because i mean this is the worst case right you have a cool gps solution whatsoever and then the moment uh, it needs to work the battery is low you know this is something you don't want so so that is narrowband IoT and CatM for for this very sorry to say, but very dumb solution anyway, a simple solution, you know. So and um, so I, yeah. I wanted to jump in because the reason I had yeah. asked that too is because we talk a lot of times is like people come up with ideas, right? So if an employee comes in and says, "Hey, I have this this problem that I want to solve," right? So as a leader, how do you kind of nurture that and push that forward with them? And then at what point do you pull back and just let your, you know, your smart folks, your engineers just go off and, and do great work to come up with these, even if it's a dumb solution or if it's a, you know, life changing solution like crane operation. So how do you how do you lead through all of these use cases that come up and allow folks to, to, to push the push the ball forward? Um, I think that's a bit getting back to uh, what I said earlier about admitting that you don't know it all. And um, in new solutions, I mean, the people in the lab, uh, they are the network experts. They know all the IP stuff, you know, and all the nitty gritty bits and bytes that you need to engineer a solution. But they are not be experts, you know, so they don't even know that this is a use case that beehives are being, being stolen, for example. And um, 
and so the lab is a great environment where uh, experts from their subjects uh, or the subject matter experts of their area they they come and meet and um, and explain pretty openly you know what are my my problems you know what are the things that i would like to get a solution for and um and it's curiosity that uh, reunites everyone there to find that new solution and i mean it sounds like such a no-brainer, but trust me, I've also sitting like I've been sitting in rooms where there were companies, and um, and they were not open about what they're trying to resolve. You know, they had that hidden agenda. They didn't want to say too much about their problem. You know, being afraid of giving away um, a good idea in the beginning. You know, so it's not natural that people are open about that and come with that um, with that. You know eagerness yeah, pure, to solve something together yeah. exactly and i think also again this is something that technology people share you know i mean if you put the salespeople into a room from each organization probably they figure out first a ton of contracts you know um before they get to the real problem right. and i think i mean nothing against salespeople. you know <laughs> i like them a lot uh you need them too but in the process of innovation, I think uh, it's sometimes good to connect the engineers or the experts at a very early point in time to not only understand, is there a solution that we can create together, but also do we have the openness on both sides to, to really um, you know, go in the right direction and come up with something where both sides benefit from. Britta, you're speaking my language. I have to interject because where I come from in my world, I work in open source and contributions from the world, you know, and I would assume that you've leveraged this not only with the lab, but also probably employees or even people that are in the space of 5G, not only Vodafone only, but anybody that's willing to work on the problem together, because like you said, not anybody is the true expert and knows the answers. There's curiosity involved. And you're not going to have all of those great answers in the room at one given moment. You need to iterate and open source all of these concepts and problems so that you can keep working on those. And if you hit a bad path, celebrate the failure, move on to whatever looks more viable, and then keep flexing on that. So I applaud you for having that mindset because you're right. There's a lot of people that they think that that's their power and their intellectual capital and the thing that's going to make them money. But I believe in an open source world. I think that's what's going to solve all of the existential problems that are facing not only the technology sector, but any sector that you've, you know, we've highlighted a few here that, you know, are way outside of what Vodafone's probably like core business is. And you're just going to be a part of that, which is really, really neat. And kind of that purpose-driven economy that I feel like is becoming more and more of a thing. So thank you for doing that and keeping strong to those uh, tenants. That's really important, I think. It's almost like the uh, the moment in Hamilton, like this is the great time to be alive, right? Because we're going to solve so many problems because people are just more open to to live with purpose and and work with purpose, right? Because that's, that's, that's what we're here to do. So, hey, so we're, we're coming up on time, but what I wanted to do, because I'd be remiss if I didn't do this, right? So uh, we talk about curiosity, and I'm very curious. Since you've had a child, right? And now you're transitioning from kick-ass businesswoman, woman in technology, now your mom. How has that transition been? It's been a roller coaster. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I think everyone who says something differently is a liar, I have to say. I mean, you can read so many books about it and I don't know, watch videos. Um, and I have to say, when I listened to your podcast introduction, that was exactly what you said, you know, on leadership, there are so many books and so many podcasts and material that you can work through. But in the end, you need to make the experience yourself. You need to find your individual way of doing it. And that was that was tough. That was really tough uh, because, as you said, yeah, uh, you do all the classes, you do all the learning, you know, but when you're in the situation itself, it's so different from what you experienced so far, um, the way you address challenges, you know, I mean, there's no conversation that you can have and explain why you're now doing this or why it should be why it's the best thing now to sleep, you know, <laughs> so, so that is really something yeah that's that's been quite a ride and um and um, in preparation of that podcast i thought a lot about you know what is there from from being a leader in the professional area that i could use now in the new situation and i think that's pretty boring i have to say it's it's not a lot i feel um but i think the other way around is more interesting what can you learn from being a parent that you take back into the office. And um, and uh, when I was pregnant, I was talking to a colleague in IT and he actually said, um, parenting made me a better leader. I love that quote. And um, and yeah, you have like, an, like an, a sense of what he meant, but now I understand it so much better. You, you become more empathetic, um, you, you become more resilient and um, and, uh, and I think, um, yeah, the, the biggest part probably is um, you also, and that's maybe, I don't want to stereotype too much here, but I think especially women, they have a super strong inner critic. So, so women can be very tough on themselves. So before they start a leadership position, before they start going into technology, you know, there's this inner voice that challenges super hard, like, are you sure, you know, like when people find out that you haven't studied engineering, you know, they, they're going to laugh at you, you know, so, so also going in that imposter, imposter syndrome direction, you know, so there's really an inner crit critic and, and as a mom, that critic rises up to new spheres. So, so, I mean, there is even a term in English, like talking about mom guilt. And, um, and I was, I was freaked out when I read about mom guilt. I said, like, oh my God, all these moms are having the same guilt that I'm having, you know, like doing a lot of trial and error with your with your kid, you know, and then learning, okay, uh, driving in the car for 10 minutes now was not a good idea, you know, but you need to try it because if you don't try to drive in the car with him, you're going to stay at home forever in your life and that's not a solution, you know? So, and and I was thinking, like, do I have, or did I ever have boss guilt, you know, or is there even the term of boss guilt around? So should people think about that, you know? And, um, and yeah, so there's a lot of thinking going on at the moment. And um, yeah, and I think the analysis is not yet done. So I think there's a lot of lessons still to come. But I have to say, I applaud all the parents, even more single parents um, that are doing the combination of working and being a parent 
it's an it's a massive challenge so far i'm just trying to master one of it and uh it's hard and yeah i have to say i really applaud all of them it's it's a challenge and i admire that and i and i know what i'm talking about now so <laughs> before that i think um that was it was a concept you know but now um feeling it in practical life it's a lot different see britta when you're out in the pub, like if you go to a park or you're out at a restaurant, you see some parents, you can give a little secret nod now. And we know exactly what you're Absolutely. talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and when you say challenge, it's pain, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. So it, it was interesting. So, cause you know, we've, we've all had multiple, you know, Steve and I have had multiple children uh, and, and you just have the one, right? Yeah. And I'm not even back at work, you know? Right. So ask me again when I'm back. <laughs> Yeah, so just, oh, we'll take you up on that. That's a great opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I would say, well, I know when we had one, right, we always thought we would break because of the first one, um, you know, because, you know, lack of sleep. We didn't know what we were doing. You know, do we have the right uh, amount of diapers when we leave the house? Do we have, you know, the uh, right amount of support and patience? you know, when we're at home and, and all of these things that go through your mind because you want everything to be perfect. Um, mm -hmm. And then you get number two where you know perfect doesn't exist and you're good. You're like, hey, I know how to keep a kid alive. Um, but, but I say all that because we've gone through it and, you know, we're all here because somebody went through it. So I would tell you good luck. Uh, be patient. Don't be hard on yourself, which I know you still will be. Um, you know, you will get through it and you guys will be good for it because I will tell you mothers, um, are the strongest beings on the planet, period. Um, you guys go through so much, you guys make sure that we all stay alive, um, to get to where we're at in life. So, um, no, it's, it's, it's great to hear. I know you put it very eloquently. You didn't want to tell the world really what you were feeling, that you're exhausted and, you know, the kid is like, you know, constantly just, just sucking all the energy from you, but you know, you still have a little bit left in the reserve to make sure that the, your son is, is taken care of. So I applaud you because I know you wanted to applaud everyone else for, for what you're going through and what you will go through because it's not, <laughs> you, every day will be a new experience and new pain point for you. So, um, have fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Britt, I would like to add one more thing. So you said some really beautiful words. I want to make sure the listeners remember. Um, so first off, being a parent makes you a better leader. How eloquent was that? I've I've personally not had that aha moment because I think we hear the reflexive all the time where if you're a good leader, you can take those skills to a, to being a parent because a child is basically someone you're trying to influence change give them good skills and tools and values and all the things that they're going to take in life and become a you know at the, at the end of the day a productive member of society i think that's an ultimate goal that we all share as parents but the reflexive is so much harder and what's really making me also segue to the second point that you made was being um better about the boss guilt i don't think and this is an assumption and maybe Stephen Alex's opinion but when we lead people in the in the workplace, you know, we have these moments where we're with them. It could even be, it could be long-term, but typically in today's world, you're with an employee, maybe two maximum years, three years, maybe, and people are changing jobs so rapidly in, in technology. You have these flash in the pan times with these folks. 
and you don't know if they're going to be there tomorrow. And what I'm trying to say is we should treat our people that we lead and work alongside as humans and really understand you're going to influence them positively or negatively. And hopefully you're choosing the positive path because they're going to remember you. And Eric, you've said it. Um, we've said it together. People won't remember the things that you did. They'll remember how you made them feel. Um, when you have those moments with the folks that you're working alongside, that those are those building relationships. And like you said, being vulnerable and not, not having that judgmental character about you and not being so focused on results, but being more focused on empowering the individual. And we're all human. We all don't know what we're doing at the end of the day. And we're just trying to make things better. So thank you for saying those words, because those are the things that I, I really want to take away from this and uh, do my own self-thinking, because we need to always be a little bit more uh, into intuition and, and think through things. So thank you for saying that. Really happy what you said. I mean, uh, it's not only, I think, our own vulnerability that's important here, but look, I mean, looking at your young child, you know, which is super vulnerable, that cannot really defend itself, you know, it's 120% reliable on that you protect it. I think that's something, you know, that you should also look at your, at your team, you know, and um, see their vulnerability as well, you know, then I think we can create a much better environment for everyone if we see that mutually on, on, on both sides. All right. I think uh, you have a mic drop right there, Eric. <laughs> that was yeah. So no, Britta, we will do a follow-up once you get settled, you know, maybe, you know, six months to a year from now and you're back in, in the grind of everything and you're solving 6G, <laughs> you know, uh, for us. And, um, but, um, a couple things uh, before we go, and then I'll give the floor back to you because I'm going to ask you a question, and then you know we'll, we'll close with that. Um, I, I want to say thank you. Um, you know, from the first time I met you, I I was extremely impressed. Um, came home, told my daughters about you. Um, you know, we talked. You know, they, they, it sparked their curiosity for STEM and coding and and all of that uh, based on our interaction. So I, I just want to say thank you. Um, you know, because your, your impact is far reaching than just the 5G lab um, and now taking care of your son. Um, I, I think that you've impacted the world in, in a positive way. Um, two, thank you for being on this podcast. Um, I, I was telling Steve I was excited about this one. Um, not that I'm not excited about the rest of the guests. So I don't want them to take, take it that way, but I was excited about this one um, and I'm glad that it worked out. Um, so the, what I was going to ask you and we'll, we'll close with your response is if there's something that you can leave for the younger generation or that young girl that is curious about the world, you know, what would you tell, what would you tell her, him, um, to go off and achieve? I think it would be two things, try to find out everything about that job, that profession, about uh, people that you admire who do that job. And I think, you know, over social media, especially, you know, it's so easy to, to, um, to find material or to even get in touch with the right people, you know, just uh, basically text them. And I think the majority of people, they will respond um yeah and also make up your mind on on the role models that you have in your in your life and what aspect of these role models 
um, are really the, the things that fascinate you about life, you know? Um, I think that's something that I was lacking when I was young, having a female engineer, for example, or a female inventor around me um, who told my younger me, come on, you can do it, you know, just try it and find out if it's something for you. And just because you're not a numbers person doesn't mean you cannot be an engineer, you know? So yeah, finding these role models um, and and maybe, yeah, get to, get to have conversations with them um, and um, get all your honest questions, your doubts out there um, and see where that takes you. And I think, yeah, that's something that I would um, give the younger generation as an advice. Awesome. All right. There you heard it. Uh, Britta, thank you again for being on the podcast. Uh, so if you are a return listener, thank you for uh, tuning into Leadership is Tricky and uh, continuing this journey with us. If you are a first time listener, thank you for finding us, whether it was on the podcast or leadershipistricky.com or some other social media platform. What I, uh, I thank you guys for tuning in. And with that, uh, we're going to close out uh, again. Thank you, uh, Britta. Uh, Steve, final word. I'm going to let Britta have that. That was beautiful. So thank you so much. Thanks to you guys.